Maybe they don't do that no more. They got another technique. You have it? Verse 44. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them instantly. Then they fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put it in the fire from the altar and lay, it, lay incense on it. Then bring it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For the wrath has gone forth from the Lord. The plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses had spoken and ran into the midst of the assembly. For behold, the plague had begun among the people. So he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. He took a stand between the living and the dead. For the plague was checked. But those who died by the plague were 14,700. Besides those who died on account of Korah. Father, we, we love you. We're always careful to give you the praise, to lift up you. Lord, we recognize that you are holy. And we understand that you choose to use us despite who we are. We give you praise for your holiness. We ask that you forgive us for our humanness. I pray, Holy Spirit, that even now you would cultivate the heart of the hearer and they would understand why we gather together, what you have purpose for your people here on earth. I ask that you move and sign, change people's hearts, minds, lives, and wonders, blow away those people who know and see people being changed by your power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Most people go to church for a couple of simple reasons. First, you want to go to heaven. Right? We're going to do the song. Uh, the band. Well, everybody wants to go to heaven. So if I ask, that's a loaded question. Who wants to go to heaven? But let me let you in on something. There's only one way to get there. You have to die. But nobody wants to die. Ironic. Second reason some people come to church is they want to meet new people. You know, and that's a good reason. You want to meet somebody, talk to somebody. They have a, a, a Bible college in in Southern California called Latin American Bible Institute, L-A-B-I. Well, they used to call it uh, uh, Latin American Bridal Institute because people would go down there to find them a wife, amen. A lot of reasons when people come and get married. Okay, that's cool. Better to find a wife at a Bible Institute than in a bar, amen. Some come to, to church to get help. And that's a good reason, too. There's a lot of reasons for coming to church, but we should understand and we, sh we should uh, come to church, and it's clear in today's scripture text. 
verse 48, it said that Aaron took the ensign and he did this. He took his stand between the dead and the living. So when I think of coming to church, that's the position I take. We're not here for those reasons, although these are reasons that God uses to get you here. But why we're here is because we are those people that are standing before the dead and the living. Hmm? So regardless of why you come when you first came to Jesus, my job is to prepare you, get you ready to stand between the dead and the living. Oh, when I say dead and living, what was happening, uh, there were a plague. And, I'm not, and when I'm talking today, I'm not saying that they are physically dead right now. But if you're away from Christ, you're dead already. You just don't know it yet. See, eternal separation is the ultimate form of death. Eternal separation from God. So you may have come to, to change your life, and God will. God's going to change you. He's going to make you better. But there's, there, there's more to one's walk with Jesus than that. Now, let's get back to this other point. Case in point. Despite the cost, the risk, and the pain, the number of elective cosmetic surgeries performed each year continues to skyrocket. Cosmetic surgeries. Right? It's like that joke. I don't know if you type that talent right. There was a lady. She almost died. She was praying to God. And she prayed, God, let me live. And God granted, says, yeah, I'm going to let you live. And she goes, I want to live a long life. You can be okay, I'm going to let you live a long life. So she gets out of, of the hospital, and then she goes off. She goes, no, I'm going to live a long life. So she got all of it. She got her face redone. She got her, she, her chin was lifted up. Amen. She used to have enough chins to be a Chinese phone book. Now it's all gone. Right? She got thinned out. She did everything, man. She was walking around like, ooh. She walked by. People would be with the guys. Were, shh, shh, right? She was looking great. And all of a sudden, she crossed the street and boom, she gets hit by a bus and dies. Well, she goes to heaven. She goes, God, I thought you said I would live a long life. And God looked. He goes, Mary, is that you? Okay, let me get back over my message here. Huh? So, aging baby boomers, which I am one of, are choosing in their quest for the perfect body. Right? Liposuction, that's why I said it. Tummy tucks, hair implants, nose reconstruction, permanent lip color, eyeliner, permanent tattooed, eye con brow contouring, and recently the all-time favorite, breast implants. Now they have this new one I just seen. It's called ice sculpting. Amazing thing, they put ice on your, your belly and it freezes and kills the cell and your body uh, takes those dead cells and metabolism and it gets rid of them. And voila, the new you. Your body has changed. In the twinkling of an eye, once most popular is the use of silicone for augmenting body parts, silicone. Silicone fluid, now we find leaks from the plastic sealed packet that flows into the body itself. This is a very uh, uh, common occurrence now. The, the leaking silicone causes the immune system to react against it. 
It begins to attack the implant. The immune system determines, and this is the key, the body will always determine what is self and what is other. The body knows. This is the real deal. And I don't know, I don't care how it looks on the outside, but we know there's something fishy about this little plastic thing in here. And it begins to attack it. The body. No matter how much we rearrange, dye our hair, add or reduce our bodies to create an artificially improved version of ourselves, it is our own biology, the body that tells us what is false advertising. There was a, a, an article, this wealthy uh, Japanese man, multi, worth hundreds of millions of dollars, married this beautiful girl, beautiful. They had a baby. And the baby was ugly as mud. I mean, ugly. And, and she, he looked at the baby. He said, that can't be my kid. And he looked at his wife. That can't be my wife. What's wrong? So he had an investigator investigate, and he found out that the wife had reconstructed her nose, her mouth, her teeth, her ear, reconstructed everything, and the baby looked like the mama used to look. He filed for divorce, went to court, won the court battle that she was falsely advertising who she was. Huh? That's amazing. I thought that was funny. I started cracking up. So, but many are self-centered and worried about, over trivial little things. That same type of wanting to artificially look good, the concern of self, the concern of self leaks into the church body and it damages the body. Because see, we have believers and we should come here. Why are we coming here? But everybody... Not everybody, the vast majority come in because they're concerned for self. See, and God will use it to get you there, but that's not why you're here. He's not here simply for you. He's, he's here for you to get you to do for others. See, but that, that silicone leaks into the body and it causes something to happen. Well, the body, just like a human body, has to Distinguish which is which. Amen? So the, the focus this afternoon is, is Satan's strategy. I'm going to hip you to what the devil does. Satan knows we must stand between the living and the dead. His trick is to turn your attention to self. Unable to stand in the gap. Worldly preoccupation keeps us from standing in the gap. Things that we think matter most allow us to sidetrack us. It could be business. You can have five jobs, two jobs, three jobs. You, you can have all these things going on. And you're supposed to be standing between the living and the dead and you're preoccupied. Why? Because self had leaked into the body. Right. So I want to discuss people or types of people that we could be. Now, there's two that we definitely don't want to be, but there's two that we want to be. See, in Numbers chapter 16, we're going to cover that, the vast majority of that chapter, a man by the name of Korah and another uh, Kohath, or three men, and Dathan, they came against Moses. They rose up against Moses together with some of their followers, because they were leaders, and there was really about 250 of these leaders. They came from the congregation, 
And they chose to, to come and they went to go talk to Moses because they, they said, Moses, you may be talking to God, but you know, we're important too. We know a few, a few things are true. So these were chosen men. You need to tell Moses that he's not the only one that talks to God and, and we're just as good as him. Who does, who does Moses think he is? Right? It was kind of that kind of a thing. So they assembled together, they assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them in verse 13 of 3 of number 16, you have gone far enough for all the congregation. He said, for all the congregation are holy, every one of them. And the Lord is in their midst. So why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? So they came up against Moses. See, and here, the strange thing, which often happened, Moses was the one who appointed these men. Now in their pride, they rise up against him. And this is exactly one of the, the, the pitfalls of leadership. Not understanding ministry or, or God, they sought equality with their leader. Because they might have had skills, they had different areas, and Moses was known not to be a great oral, uh, speaker of the word. He didn't have a great vocabulary. He, he used Moses, uh, Aaron to do his talking, Moses just got along, got along with God. So I can see they've seen that, oh, this guy didn't have all that. Who does he think he is? Right? But listen to this. D.L. Moody once said, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. See, never forget the promotion comes from above. Irrespective of talent, treasure, education, it has nothing to do with that. It, the only way a promotion comes, it's God. Hmm? Promotion comes from the Lord. So in verse 18 of number 16, let's go ahead and read it there. It says, so they took his own censer, we're talking about Korah, his own censer and put it on fire and laid the incense on it. And they stood at the doorway of the tent of meeting with Aaron, Moses and Aaron. Thus Korah assembled all the congregation against them in the tent of meeting. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the congregation. Then the Lord God spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourself from among this congregation. I, that I may consume them instantly. So God said, you know, I ain't going to play with you guys. I'm going to have to deal with you. These guys are way out of line. So, but rather, see, rather than suffer division, God decided to consume the entire nation. That was the thing. God said, hey, I'm going to get, I'm going to wipe them all out, Moses. We're going to start all over again. I did it with Noah. I wiped them out. Got to you. We're going to just wipe them all out and start fresh. But notice as Moses' compassion. He began to intercede. In verses 22 to 23, he says he fell on his face and he began to plead with God. It's not the entire congregation, Lord. He began to speak to them. You know, it's just a few. And so as he speaks to the congregation, God said, get away from Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Get away from them. So we pick up the story in verse 31 of the same chapter. And it says there, as he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open. The earth opened by its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions so that they all, so they and all that belonged to them went down alive into show and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. All Israel who were around them fled at their outcry for they said the earth may swallow us up. Fire also came forth from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. See, Korah, in his ignorance, subtracted people from Moses. 
the backbiters, complainers, and those with negative attitudes. See, unknowingly, when we look, well, let me back up. It seems terrible. And to Moses, it was a shock because Moses really cared about those people. Despite the fact they didn't care about him, he cared about them. But unknowingly, Korah did Moses and God a favor. See, those people that rebelled against Moses didn't have the guts to do it on their own. But when somebody else rose up, it caused them to have a little pride, a little fear, a little, little courage, if you will. And the real them popped up. See, they were always rebellious. Just nobody knew it until Korah came along. And they've seen it rise up in them. You see the picture? See, three things I've noticed about people that subtract, because that's what happened. They usually have stopped giving or were never tithers. They often complain about being controlled. They criticize and find fault in leadership. See, God always allows someone to rise up to remove subtractors. I call that spiritual liposuction. Got to get rid of the fat. Removing unwanted fat. See, my prayer uh, today is that, that everyone here today is not unwanted fat. Look at your neighbor. Hey, chubby. Hallelujah. So there's another group of people, when you look at it, you keep reading, the story is in Numbers chapter 13, verse 2. And it says there, send out for yourself men so that they may spout the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of your father's tribe, everyone a leader among them. So there's 12 leaders, again, leaders coming up. Several similarities between leaders of those people who subtract and divide. We're talking about people who divide now. They always come from leadership positions. Subtractors and dividers. And the rest of the people just watch it happen. Like, oh, what's going on here? Huh? Numbers 13, 27. And thus they told him and said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. You know the story. They sent up the spies, and they came back with big, giant grapes, and they came with all kinds of stuff. They were like, man, we got to go take this land. Caleb and Joshua, they were excited about this land. They said, man, this is the promised land. We can do it. They were excited. But then you had 10 other guys. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people who live there in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, You what? We should by no means go up and take possession. Right. We should by all means, rather, go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against these people. For they're too strong for us. See, these other ten men weren't men at all. They had no faith. They've they seen the challenge and they thought it, they, they didn't see the, the opportunity. They've seen the work. They didn't see the blessing. Uh, they've they, they seen the trials. They didn't see anything at what they should have seen. They saw all the negative. They turned a sunny day into a cloud. People who divide peddle doubt. All they need to do is, it might be hard, but let's do it. This could be difficult, but I got your back. But instead they said, we can't do it. They said, it's impossible. Woe is me. 
Always peddling doubt. See, doubt, my friend, is a dream killer. You ever have a dream and share it with somebody and somebody says, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, you're right. And, and they, they kill your dream. You ever been, been done that? I'm, I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. I have dreams. And I, I, when people, could, I, I share my dream, they say, oh, that, that's going to be hard. I want to throw that person out the window. Why? Because you're, you're killing my dream, man. Anything in this world is going to be hard. If you, if you want the easy way, there is no easy way. It's going to be a tough gig. Dr. Livingston, who's in Africa, a missionary, he goes to Africa and he's conquering these lands for Jesus Christ, comes back to Great Britain, and he gives this, 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 this discourse to a group of, uh, of theologians and university professors, and one man walks up to Dr. Livingston. He says, Dr. Livingston, what is the easiest way to get to you in Africa? And he tells him, if you want the easy way, don't come. Don't come. It shouldn't be easy. Everything we do should be rough, hard, tough. Why? Because at the end of it, it makes you stronger and more able to handle everything you've gained. The easy way, easy come, you know, what's that old saying? Easy come, easy go. Hey, but when you work for it, when you fight for it, you, you fight to keep it. Hmm? That's why I look at uh, uh, people who and, uh, you know, uh, go to school. And I understand the difficulty of going to school, right? And when you look at them and you say, why did, I've been working this job and I've heard this and I've been on the other side saying this oftentimes. I've been at this job a long time and, and this young whippersnapper comes in and he becomes a boss. You know why? Because he went to school. And if you never went to get your master's or your bachelor's or, 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 or your PhD and know how hard it is to get that education, how difficult it is. See, what that tells me is that person knows how to struggle. So I can use him at this position. The other people don't want to go through that struggle. Well, you can just keep turning dirt. That's the difference. Hmm? Struggle. Fight. Push. We have to do that. Oh, but you want to struggle? Oh, well, I don't want to struggle. That's too hard. That's no fair. How come he's the boss? How come he's doing this? Why? Because you are unable to struggle and fight. Is anybody with me today? You're looking at me like cross-sided right now. Uh, see, people who divide, not only do people who divide uh, pedal doubt, but people who divide gossip. They, just talk, they talk about everybody. See, you know, if you have a friend who talks about other people, be assured when you're not there, they're talking about you. Oh, they're talking all about you. Put, put all your mess on the table, right? They say, oh, they say, hey, you know what? But don't tell no one. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. If you believe that, you should slap yourself for me. Just go right now. Go ahead and slap yourself if you believe that. No way. No, no. Gossip. Hey, how can you tell you're a gossip or if someone's a gossip? Very simple. Can you do anything to help the situation? If you cannot help the situation, you're a gossip. If you can help it and make it better, go ahead and talk about it because you're going to make it better. But if you're just talking about it because you've got nothing else to talk about, you're a gossip. Look at your neighbor. Say, is he talking about you? Uh-oh. Huh? So gossip divides. You know, the, the worst thing, of the, don't you, I, I know, we've all felt this. 
you found out somebody was talking about you? How do you feel? Oh, don't you feel bad, angry, hurt, betrayed? Hello, somebody. So that's got to stop because that is what divides relationships. I, I know a family that have been divided over that kind of talk. Friendship, marriages, divine. Mm -mm. See, cosmetic surgery needs to be done here again. Now, let's build a negative. So I'm not going to leave you hanging there. Now there's people who, and I believe you're here, people with an ad. Acts 2.41. Acts 2, verse 41. When you have it, say amen. Got it. And it reads there, So those who received his word were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000. Now imagine that. 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Shando with a bag of chips. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. And fear or awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. See, after they received the word, and this is the key, those people who add value to wherever you're at. But I'm talking here about the church that add value when they immediately involve themselves. See, it says there, they were baptized, then boom. They devoted themselves to four areas. They're learners. They wanted to learn, so they stood there at the feet of the apostles. Teach me about Jesus. Tell me what you know. I need to get better. I have to understand Christ. What does the Holy Spirit do? What is speaking in tongues? I mean, they, they wanted to know everything. They involved themselves, and so they diverted, devoted themselves to teaching. See, those people that add are learners. They always learn. They, they, come, they never come to the point where they think they know it all. I've read the Bible, I know it all. Or I've actually had people say, you know, Pastor, I've, I, I, I've been here and, and I've heard you preach and I need more. You need to start teaching. That's what you need. Huh? Eventually, you're going to have to, see, it's one thing to go to the restaurant, right? You go to a restaurant, would you like, can I have a double hamburger or can I have a steak, right? Some salad. It's cool to go to a restaurant. But listen, you can't live in a restaurant. Why? First of all, it's not healthy for you. Second of all, you'll go broke. Sometimes you have to have home cooking. See, and right now, you're in the restaurant. Eventually, you're going to have to learn enough so that you start cooking for others. See, adders become teachers. Why? Because they're learners. They're learners, and they share what they know. They might not know everything, but what they know, they share. See, not only are they learners, they're faithful to church fellowship. It says, 3,000 were added that day, and they devoted themselves to the Apostle teaching and fellowship. Now listen, fellowship, when you understand in the scripture, fellowship meant they gathered together for church. They gathered together for worship. They came together. They were devoted. Third, they had meals with each other. I like this part. Huh? The breaking of bread. That, that doesn't mean they had the Lord's Supper. No, that meant they went out there and, and they ate. They broke bread and they ate and they fellowshiped. So they were involved in teaching and learning. 
right? They were in church services, and when they had picnics, they were there, part of the potluck. They were there, they were gathering. It was causing something to happen in the church. They began to gather and have meals with each other. And then lastly, it said, they prayed. See, people who add are learners, they're faithful to church, they continue and they, 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 they fellowship and meals, and they pray. But not just do it once in a while, they're devoted. The thing that got me when I first came to the outreach wasn't so much of preaching. Preaching was good. Wasn't so much a worship team. Worship was good. What got me is I had a group of people that called me up and invited me to their house for barbecues. Every week we were eating at a barbecue or something. We were just doing it. I go, wow. And that got me. I said, I like these people. Shoot. Now I go to church, I hear worship, and then they always keep inviting me to eat. I like these people. And so what I what I start doing? I start doing the same thing. Well, when I get my, my Bible study, my life group, I'm gonna invite everybody, and I invited everybody to eat. Come on down. And you know what it worked? Something about food. You can get the you can get the worst dinner. Easy. Once a rib, here he comes, amen. Get over here, man. We're gonna lay hands on you and get you saved. We would, and we would have barbecues. That's what got me. Uh, why? And that's how you add to the church. You don't add to the church where every, everybody goes to their own silo, their own cocoon, and they just come together once or twice a week. We have to become family. We have to enjoy. Uh, see, people that add complement the church. They're committed to the church. And under pressure, they don't run, complain, or hide. This person stands in a fight. They understand, I need to stand between the living and the dead. Because once I was dead, and somebody stood in the gap for me. And that's the least I could do. See, they have compassion for the lost. They're willing to do what they can to help build the ministry. See, being a servant for Christ comes in many forms. They spend time being an example. I read a great story about a, a man who was an example. Before Tiger Woods could walk, Earl, Earl would take him out to the garage, strap him in a high chair, set up a net, and beat golf balls into the net. The kid would take his meals there, sit there for hours, mesmerized as Earl chewed up buckets of golf balls into the net. Ball after ball after ball. Earl had a dream, and his dream was to, was to produce a champion golfer. He says, I was a black kid, and golf was played at the country club. End of story. He said, but I told myself that somehow my son would get a chance to play golf early in life. Ten months old was pretty early. When Earl unstrapped Tiger from the high chair... He took, Tiger took the old man's putter and swung it for the first time like a seasoned pro. Earl raced to his house, yelled to his wife, tied up, and the kid was still sucking on a bottle, eating mashed potatoes with vegetables, but he had the routine of how to swing a club. He even shot with the wiggle. And he learned that by just watching an example. See, people that add are examples. 
You can't be example watching Jeopardy reruns. You can't be example crying about your, your troubles in your bedroom. You have to get out of yourself. You have to stop letting the leak of silicone destroy your body, the leak of self. See why? Because I have found that when you get out of yourself, I don't care what your problem is. When you get out of yourself and you become that example, God takes notice and he looks at you. He goes, that's the one I'm going to help. That's the one I'm going to use. That's the one I'm going to give the victory to. Why should he give victory to anybody if all we're going to do is nothing with it? We have to be examples. See, those people add. You also have those that have a great gift. And they don't just add, they multiply. You know, they're a mathematician, they're Einstein. They, they, boom, they know how to multiply. Genesis 1.22, the initial call of man was not to subtract, was not to divide, was not to add. God told Adam and Eve, and he, later, then he also told Noah after he had wiped out all mankind, he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. See, that, that charge has not stopped. That charge is not for a select few. See, we try to say, well, that's not for me. That's for the pastor. Well, that's not for me. That's for the leaders. That, no, listen, my friend. That is for you. He said, you be fruitful and multiply. And I don't care if you got an F in math. But two, plus, two times two is four. We're called to multiply. Huh? We have to multiply. We're created to multiply. Whatever we, should, we touch should multiply. The only thing that stops multiplication in a person's life is only one thing. Sin. That's it. Sin. See, if you stay obedient and, and, and remain, uh, refrain from sin, my friend, you will multiply. Why? Because that's your natural state of operation. That's like a bird. If you, you, a bird is hatched, eventually that bird's going to fly. Why? Because that's what it does. See, a, a child of God who's been born again, bought with the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost, your natural state, your supernatural state of being is to multiply. You're a multiplier. Huh? That's your natural state. Anything other than to multiply is a result of artificial intelligence, of liposuction, of false things, trying to make yourself look good on the outside and not really worrying about looking good on the inside. Huh? We have to look good on the inside. See, no multiplication means we fail to operate the way God wants. So under the guidance of God, all that we touch will prosper. It does. And, I, and it really doesn't matter. See, when you're walking like God, there's a thing called favor. And we all humbly want God's favor. Well, let me tell you something about God's favor. God's favor is not fair. Because God will give it to who he wants to. And, but he's looking. And the Bible says he searches for faith. Because we have to walk in faith. You know, we have to walk. And it seems like every time I'm doing something, I go, God, I need this. He gives me this. I remember one time, we're working on the campus. And I tell Martin, man, I need beams. Like beams like this. I need about four or five beams. 
because we got to do this in the campus. We got to make this bigger. We got to make that bigger. We need beams. Remember Martin? Who's Martin there? Somewhere. Anyway, we need beams. And I, I leave. I just talked to him. I drive down the street. I go up the block, and I find five beams. It's like they were calling my name. Here we are. Hello. Hey. See, it's like a little thing me and God have. He gives me, and he never gives me what I ask. He always gives me more than what I ask. He always does. It's amazing. We have a sister here who works at an agricultural place, and I won't, I, won't, I won't say her name. But be, before I knew this, I said, man, I just need, I'm, I'm in my backyard. And I'm looking at my yard, and I go, man, I need about 300 square feet of artificial grass. Hey, God, I need about 300 square feet. That's all. 300, not much. 300. Right? And then Nico comes in with a truckload of about 3,000 square yards, square feet of grass. So he didn't give me, a, he didn't give me what I needed. He always, he always gives me more than enough. So now I got like 2,700 square feet of grass. I'm looking around. Man, I'm going to put grass on my roof. I'm going to put grass in my bathtub. I'm going to have a bathtub grass. I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, what do I do with all this grass? And I'm not talking, I'm talking about artificial grass. This is the grass, okay? Stay with me now. Amen? See, Hebrews says, surely he will bless you and multiply you. That's what God wants to do. God is waiting for faith to rise up so he can get involved. He wants your faith to rise up so he can get involved. Let me say it again. He wants your faith to rise up so he can get involved. He wants your faith to rise up so he can get involved. He wants your faith to rise up so he can get involved. He's not going to get involved in, with a faithless person. He's just not going to do it, my friend. Huh? See, a faithless person is subject to the temptation of division and subtraction. A faithless person is the one who would rise up against their leader. A faithless person is the one who does not tithe. A faithless person is the one who gossips. And those people will simply be removed. Not by anything I do. I want you all to stay. But God will have his way. God always has his way. He always has his way. See, things which multipliers do, multipliers create momentum. Multipliers. Multipliers. They operate in faith, and, and it, brings, it makes things happen. They operate like that. So, but we have to step into the plan. You know, I've told you about it. you got to take a step. And, so, and you're not, if you're waiting for the master plan, if you're waiting for the, the itinerary, if you're waiting for what, where I'm going right and going left, you're not going to get it. Remember, his, his faith, his walk is a step-by-step process. And he only lets you see where your foot's going to land. He doesn't let you see where you're going to end up. If he did, he would eliminate faith. And sometimes where your step's going to land doesn't look too good. Right? Look kind of shaky. But he says, if God says step, then step, then he shows you more. Oh, wow, that's cool. Step. Okay, I'm going to step. Then he shows you more. Step. Okay, I'm going to step. And he shows you more. That's how God begins to operate in your life. But so no, but people want the, the whole picture, the whole kick kaboo to God. You know, I've been coming to church for like two weeks now. Where's my blessing? I've been coming, I've been faithful. I've been in church six months. Are you kidding me? That's not even a pregnancy term. Uh, you gotta be faithful. You gotta be tested. 
You have to go through it. Remember, there's a process. There has to be a struggle. You cannot uh, dislike or abhor the, the process. There has to be a struggle. That's why I love the home. There's a struggle. There has to be a struggle. If the home is easy, there's something wrong with my home. Why is my home so easy? Huh? It's got to be a struggle. Why? Because that struggle gets self out of you. And that's why when you guys get out the home, you got you to gotta be the leaders of the church. Because we don't wipe the self out. Wiped it out. Why? Because it's process, the struggle. Huh? In the church, you're going to have to have your struggle with the Lord. If you just want, you know, oh, this is great. I'm just, everything's great and I have no problems. I have no issues with nobody. If you never have problems, what planet are you from? Huh? No, there has to be. In this, this world, the Bible says when you go to work, he says by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to get what you need. The sweat. Right? In childbirth, there must be pain. I mean, God could easily have said, guess what? Childbirth, no pain. Be easy. You go, oh, baby born. Oh, look at that. Let's have another one. Wow, that was fun. No. Painful. There's a process. But it's worth it when the child's born. It's worth it. All the pain goes away. You even forget about the pain. It's, it's, it's so weird that the pain is so great. I'm be great. The baby's born. And months later, somehow, the woman says, let's have another one. Right? Come on, lady. Nobody makes you like, with a gun, let's have another one. Nobody did that to you. Somehow you say, yeah let's, yeah, let's have another Right? Why? Because the beauty of what you get from the process is worth it. And the same thing is when you're walking and you want to multiply with God. There's a process. And, and it may struggle. It may hurt. You may question it. You may wonder. But I'm going to tell you what. After you get to the process and God begins to multiply you, boom, you forget the pain. And you say, that was okay. Let's do it again. Same thing happened. We're weird like that. Let's do it again. Paul, the Apostle Paul, his, his, his famous scripture, he, he would say, let's go again. And you got to understand, he had several missionary journeys. He went one time, and he didn't have a car. He didn't go, he didn't go to Enterprise and rent a car. No, he, he had one. He had a la pata. That was his mode of operation. He had sandals, and they weren't a nice sandal like we have Tevas. No, they weren't Tevas. This was a, a slop of leather stuck to his feet, and he had a walk. And he'd walk hundreds of miles, shipwrecked, stone, left for dead, walked, went a big circle, went all the way around. He'd get back. He settles down in Antioch for a year or two. He was preaching a little bit. Then he gets, he goes, you know what? I'm Titus. Let's go again. And he went again. And then it's time he did it again. He went longer. And you're talking about year journey, years of journey, walking, walking. Comes back and he rests for a little while. He's in Ephesus with his, his disciple Timothy. And he's kicking back, teaching Timothy a little bit. And then he gets a little bored. He goes, you know what? Let's go again. And then he went again. Because the process is worth it. The process gives value to the reward. If there's no process, no pain in the process, there's no value to the reward. 
And God wants to reward you. He wants you to be a multiplier. Multipliers learn to tap God's power. Multipliers do things unto the Lord, not to people. They do things for God. Multipliers are obedient to leadership and thus they learn to obey God's voice. Multipliers have the innate ability to do what God has called them to do. They just do it. As I close, numbers.